Good morning, everyone. Always great to be with you and a privilege to be with you. Uh, as I found out, Clark uh, won the election yesterday. I was both excited and also thought that it'd be prudent that us not living in Area G but Area F, that I should announce my candidacy for running next time in Area F. And my first promise will be to build a wall between us and those in Area G now that I know who's leading them. So we don't want to have anything to do with whatever's going on over there. So uh, we're going to be spending some time in 1 John in chapter 2 this morning and looking forward to uh, just looking unto the Lord as to all that he has for us. And uh, I pray as always to be challenged and all I can do is uh, challenge you as God has been challenging me and always uh, trusting and praying that uh, even despite me, that he will encourage us, each and every one, as he would have for us this morning. I'm going to uh, read our passage for this morning, and then we're going to just pause for a word of prayer, uh, once again, putting our hearts before the Lord as we already have this morning, and then we're going to dive in and look as to what the Lord has for us this morning in First John chapter 2 and verse 18 and following. This is what it says, First John chapter 2, verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are all, that all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. And whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, the one who confesses the Son, has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. As we read your word this morning, remind it again that to read your word is not an endeavor of academic discovery, but rather it is, a, it is a time to listen. And as we've said before and will say again, there is no other book in this world where the author is present every time you read it. And it's with that confidence alone that this morning we open your word and trust that you alone will speak to our hearts, that you will guide our minds, that you will plant seeds of righteousness deep within us, that will grow fruit of righteousness. That this morning again we can be emptied of all distractions and all the many things 
that pull us one way or the other this morning that we might simply clearly listen to you and you alone. Thank you that again you are about your purpose today and always. And this morning you desire to teach us, to mold us, to shape us moment by moment in your likeness. And I pray this morning that as we enter this time that we would allow you with hearts and knee bended low and that we might hear and abide in you. Thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as we open the Word this morning, and as we look at 1 John and chapter 2, we begin noting that already we start to hear a big words that often in our Christian uh, church carry a lot of weight, and that is this, the Antichrist. And so, this morning... As John here is going to warn them and starts rightly as in John, he's already in 1 John been saying, Father, young men, children. He reminds them this morning that as innocent children, it is the last hour and just as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. And from this we know that it is the last hour. And this morning, as we begin to look and note, and if you're going to be following along, I've noted a number of passages this morning. I often find that the best commentary on God's Word is God's Word. And so, if you want to keep a finger in Matthew 24, a finger in 2 Peter 3, a finger in Revelation 19, 13, and so on, and we'll get there and you can flip along with me. But, Listen, this morning, we want to get our head around a few things. And as the Lord has been reminding me, it's this, that often we hear those words, it is the last hour. And as we hear that stated, even Jesus himself again and again said those words, the last hour or the time has come. And when we hear it, we know that a season is coming when all things are concluding as far as what the work that God has ordained and what He is headed for. It says this in Matthew 24. Listen as we read verse 3. It says, As He was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of Your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. You see, as he began to speak, he said, listen, an end is coming. And when you see it, you will know as there are going to be earthquakes and things happening. These things, I want to note, are are not, and as we prepare for the end, as Jesus speaks, the end is coming, 
And I want you to know that when God comes, He's coming in a final stand. We, we can read on as it says, and listen to this in Second Peter. And again, I'm going to quote many verses uh, quickly this morning for time's sake. But it says this. Know this, first of all, Second Peter 3 and verse 3. That in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is now, is not, rather, the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. As we read those words this morning, we're reminded of two things. One, that the day of the Lord is coming like a thief and it is coming quickly. Not only that, but reminded of this, that God is patiently waiting that all bow the knee. And when He comes, He is going to come in such a way that no one can be without excuse. When we look at these things, and as we read, you are going to hear of wars, and you are going to hear of all these many things happening. You are going to hear of nation rising up against nation, famines and earthquakes. As we read these things, we need to note this, that those things are not going to be things misunderstood. In Mark 13, he goes on and describes it this way. Again, Jesus speaking, in those days, Mark 13, 24, that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth. He says this in Mark thirteen twenty nine. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that it is near, right at the door. You see, what's amazing is this, is that when God comes in the last day, it is going to be in such a way that He is clearly displaying His glory. That there is no excuse. Not just in wrath and judgment, but in declaration. I love again in, in Re Revelation. And when we read in Revelation chapter 6, and of all these many things happening, and seals being broken, and judgments being cast down, it says this when you read chapter 6, and verse 12, listen to what he says. Uh, it says, hold on, my Bible's missing a page. Here it is. Verse 12 to 17 in chapter 6. Am I right or am I wrong? Hang on, there it is. Ha ha. Nope. Wrong. Oh, it would help if I wasn't in the book of Hebrews. That would be very helpful at this moment. But rather, if I were in Revelation chapter 6, 
I would find what I'm looking for. It says this, verse 12. I looked and he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by great wind and the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Did you notice something? In the last day, there was no question what was happening and who was making it happen. The men of the earth, the kings, the strong, began crying out to the mountains. And what did they say? Fall on us and hide us from the Lamb whose wrath has come. They knew who it was. They knew what it was because God was coming and was making it clear. And as we just read in Peter's writing, that he was patiently waiting that all might bow the knee. And and when the last days come, there will be no blaming it on El Nino or global warming or oceans rising or the ice caps melting. These are happening all around us. And yet in the last day, the last day, these things will be great. Great in such a way that all will know that there is no uh, simple environmental dysfunction, but a God who sits on a throne calling all to Himself. This is the last day. And in these last days, not only the last day, but in the last days as we've just read, Listen to what he said again. Children, in this last hour, just as you heard, Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. Not only will creation in birth pains, as we've read, be groaning for the return of the Lord, so too there will be a great rise in all that is in opposition to God. And as we read this morning, and you may notice, and if you've read, you may have often heard Antichrist, but then there is the word Antichrist's plural. And it says, they have appeared. And from this we know, in this last hour, and as we hear these words, it's interesting that that word Antichrist actually has two meanings. And today as we read, it actually embraces both. anti or or as we understand it, meaning against or in opposition. That same word and root was also used in its original form for a subordinate commander who could take authority in the absence of the chief in charge. And if you think about it this way, that word Antichrist, it says, the Antichrist is coming. And in many ways, we can hear it and know by that definition, a subordinate commander who, who takes authority in the absence of the chief in charge 
What is the hope of Satan today? That he might take God's authority over man, be in charge of God's rightful kingdom. And yet also, that word antichrist, meaning all that is in opposition to Christ, there is both an antichrist and a spirit of antichrists in opposition that is all around us each and every day. And as we read again in God's Word, we see evidence of both in noting that today these things are around us. Again, listen to Mark in chapter 13 in which it says this, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God uh, created the world until now and never to be equal again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, here he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible. It goes on, and as we continue reading, we see that there is a time in which, again, an antichrist is coming. Uh, someone who in every way, shape, and form desires to be seen and take the authority of God. This is the, the pausing mark this morning. And my hope and prayer is that we do not get carried away because every time we hear end times, we, we, we read the words 666, we, we get carried away with making 666 presumptions on what it means and what it's going to look like. We begin to think that today the Bible was given to us to reveal to us who the Antichrist is, the day, the hour, the moment. And yet when you read the book of Revelation, it was not given to reveal who the Antichrist was. Revelation 1 and verse 1 says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants. What does that tell you? Revelation was not intended to tell us who the Antichrist was. And if we try to use this book to point them out, we've already missed it. Because it was given to us as a revelation of Jesus Christ. But note this, Revelation 4 verse 1, After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard like a sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. You see, Revelation was not going to pinpoint who, but tell us what was going to happen in these last days and point to who Jesus is in the midst of it all. And in doing so, we would see the evidence all around us that we might identify the signs, the things to come that would surround the coming, that would be Jesus. And as a common example, and I was reading again uh, this week, that when people spend time working in the government to identify counterfeit currency. Do you know what the number one thing they do is when they begin their training? They sit down and study the original. They spend time with it. They touch it. They smell it. They hold it up to the light. They look at it and they memorize it. 
And the more they spend time with the genuine article, the very moment a counterfeit arises, they know it immediately. You see, today, and as we're going to continue reading in 1 John, we know the end. Not by studying and looking for who they are, but rather spending time enveloped in the original. The One who is our God. And if we do, then we will know. It will be clean. It will be clear. But I want you to see this. It says, Revelation chapter 6, Then I saw the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. You see, that first rider on a white horse, not Jesus. Jesus is going to show up later riding a white horse, but he is going to have not a crown, but many crowns on his head, and he is going to be carrying the sword of truth and be called the Word of God. This one, a rider on a white horse with an empty bow, no arrow. Why? Coming as a king, conquering in peace. A false peace. Even as it is, it actually tells us that in Revelation chapter 13, listen to what it says in verse 3, I saw one of the heads of a beast rising up. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Chapter 13, verse 3, I saw in one of his heads as it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Did you notice something interesting? The beast arose And what did it look like? As though he had been slain, but had been healed. Looks like he had died and what? Risen again. Riding a white horse with a crown. Oh, and by the way, they gave glory to the dragon because the dragon gave the beast his power. Does that sound familiar? What did Jesus say in the Gospel of John? My Father gives me the words I speak, the power I say, the things I do. I am here that today you might worship the Father through the Son. In every way, shape, and form, the Antichrist, the last one, will what? Look to imitate, mirror, counterfeit the original. It's why as he writes this morning, we read these words, Children, (laughs) the last hour is come. And not only is there an Antichrist coming, but a spirit of the Antichrist amongst us. All that is in opposition. John says this in chapter 2, verse 19, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. You see, it wasn't just attacks from the outside. 
there was a spirit of the Antichrist waging war from the inside. People in the congregation, people in the midst, people in a movement, rising ideology of and uh, certain theology above their faith in Jesus. Above God's grace. God's forgiveness. That there was people who were taking and being a part of the congregation not to lead and encourage and promote the Lord Jesus, but to promote themselves, their own way, and their own directions. Acts 20, verse 28 says this, Be on guard for yourselves, for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul calls these false apostles deceitful workmen. And no wonder that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You see, this morning, the great warning is this. We must be on guard. There will always be the influence and not the great influence of an antichrist one day, but the influence of all that is opposed to Christ today. I've read it again and again and I keep needing to read it and often it is because of my own broken mind. Uh, and it's a familiar quote that you've all probably heard before, but it was this, that do you actually believe that everything you think is true? Is there a place today where every thought that comes in your mind, you're convinced of, you assume that it's true because you thought it? Dangerous. Because the opposition is everywhere. It is from the outside in it is from the inside out. Remember, we are sinful beings, saved by grace. And that today there is every temptation, longing, desire. What was just read in 1 John in chapter 2? The lusts of the world, the lust of the flesh, and the love of life, all in opposition to God. That comes from within, not on the out. We fear the grand the Antichrist, the end times, the last hour. We need to fear this. The enemies at work be on guard. Today, this day and every day, I laugh because for many years, as you know, we worked at a Bible school. And at that school, it was just the right place for me because they had in many ways done away with tests and exams. And you say, what school is that? I say a very good one. No one needs that kind of stuff. But what was happening was, and listen, the, the, the find was this, that when they did tests and exams, people would study for the test, get the answers, memorize dates, and at the end of it, they'd get all the answers right and then quickly forget it. And they'd memorize facts that had everything to do with physical knowledge of history and little to do with spiritual understanding of living. And so we began uh, to do journals. And journals were not a diary, not about feelings, but a summary. And what we would do is this. 
after having studied the book of Genesis for 12 hours, we want you to go down and concisely review and recite in your own words the principles, the truths about God and His character and His relationship to man that were communicated in this book. And it forced them to go back and rewind and think about who God was, what God was doing, what God was saying in response and relationship to man. And it was great because they had to think through what God was saying, not just answer questions about what color the Apostle Paul's socks were when he wrote to Ephesus and where he was at that time. But listen, as we began and we caught on as students that we'd send these journals in for review and they were divided amongst the staff and sometimes you'd get check marks and sometimes a comment and sometimes you'd get nothing at all but they'd be handed back with a well done. And we began to be a little suspicious that the staff were ever even really reviewing them at all. And so you know what we began to do? We took it upon ourselves to start creating what we called little journal heresies to see if they were actually reading what we were writing. And so we'd have this journal and we'd be writing down principles about what God said and what He did and and truths about His character. And in the middle we'd say, (laughs) out of nowhere... And we are all called lambs of God. Therefore, we should all wear 100% pure virgin wool. And then we'd carry on with our journal. Or we'd be reciting these truths and in the middle we'd write, and that's when the flying saucer comes and takes us all away. And then we'd keep going. And we wanted to see. And every time we could get one by, sometimes they'd come back with a red circle and a question mark that said, we need to talk, right? And you could tell they were concerned and rightly so. Other times, we'd get them back and there'd be a red circle or there'd be nothing at all but a check mark at the end. We'd be like, yes, got one through. Did it. But you see, that's it. We are constantly being bombarded with messages, temptations, desires, thoughts, leadings, and they are not for Christ, but what? In opposition to Him. And today the Word is encouraging us in this way that we must stand and fight. That today we must be on guard. Listen to what he says, and this is where we're going. 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, but the one who confesses the Son has the Father. As for you... Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made, eternal life. These things I've written to you, He says. And He goes on. He says this, 1 John 2, verse 27, As for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it taught you when you abide in Him. Now little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, you may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. What's He saying? Today, fear not that which you see on the outside. 
Fear not the earthquakes and the famines. Fear not the wars. Fear not the end and the last hour. It is coming. And if Jesus said the hour was near then, think about how near it is now. But our encouragement this morning is this. Do not fear the last hour, but this, abide. Four or five times in those last few verses, He said, listen, you have no need for anyone to teach you because His anointing teaches you about all things. And just as it has taught you, you abide in Him. Keep spending time with the genuine article. Keep listening, not to the anti-voice, but to His voice. Keep reminding yourself of the truth of who He is. And today, if you know the genuine article, the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. There is no fear nor shame. That today as we're told to be on guard, or as Peter tells us in 1 Peter, to keep sober-minded. That today, as we spend that time abiding, set your home in Him. Take every thought captive. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I read something this week that a friend had written in a small article and he said this, often we feel that God allows us to go through trials because we're strong enough to handle them. He wrote this, no, rather, it is not because we are strong enough, but we live in a broken world full of trials and what those trials show us is that we are not strong enough, but He is. And notice it says in 1 John, as we read in 19, they went out from us. They were not really of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. Do you know what that means? God's going to allow us to suffer loss. There are loved ones all around us. And at times, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he said, listen, we were brought to the end of ourselves so that we might not trust in ourselves, but God who raises the dead. That, that we may at times lose friends, lose family, lose loved ones, because they oppose what we know to be true and love. And yet, God will allow that to make it clear to test our faith, that we might hold strong and cling to Him in all things. That today, He is our truth and righteousness. And today, we will know Him if we abide in Him. My prayer as we press on from here is this, that in all things, we not get caught up or distracted by what we see around us. It should not surprise any of us, for He said it would come to pass. But it is a great reminder this morning that whatever circumstance, whatever is happening out there in the world around us, crazy as it is, that we abide. 
and in Him alone we find our strength. As innocent children, that in Him today we find our confidence at knowing He is coming. Let me close with these words as I mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. It says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Be sober-minded. Be on the lookout. Resist the devil. Resist that which is opposed to Christ in grabbing hold of Christ Himself. That's the encouragement for the week ahead and for the season ahead as we know the Lord is coming quickly. Maranatha. He's returning. Are we ready? Let's pray. Lord, thank You this morning that we can look at what often are seen as quite difficult verses. Things, pictures, verses of what is to come. That there is much in opposition and always has been, always will be. A spirit in this world against all that You are and all that You stand for. And yet today, by abiding in Your Spirit, we know Your voice. And I pray today that You would rise collectively within us the knowledge of truth, the path of righteousness, that today You might be the lamp before our feet, that we might have wisdom to see and to know the truth apart from the lie that as a world tries to conform us, that we would instead be about Your transform and the transforming work that You've offered. I pray today that we would be reminded of these things as we go out these doors, that the distractions are all around us, and yet today as we cling to You, You alone are our good. You are our strength. You are our eyes to see with, our strength to move with, and our wisdom to walk with. Thank You for all of this and this body that stands on truth. In Jesus' name, Amen.